Weird Things is brought to you by patreon.com slash weird things. Support the show. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Andrew Main, joined by Justin and Robert Young. Hello. Brian Brushwood. Ahoy hoy. And Bryce, the super strong magnet that keeps it all together, Castillo. That's my magnetic power. Why won't you let us escape? Curse our ferrocerium laden bodies. Hi, everybody. Some fancy words there, Brian. I actually don't know if ferrocerium actually has iron in it, but I assume so. I, I I was totally taken in. I believe it. That's the that's, so, that's uh, the first mistake. Next up, you'll be giving me double portions on Tuesdays. Before you know it, I have a spoon and a tunnel to Guatemala. Oh, oh. everybody remember that one? I think that was the Green Mile. Yep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he swam through yeah. a whole mile of green. That's right. Well, remember the funny thing about the Green Mile was like Shawshank Redemption comes out, super, super big hit. And they're like Stephen King, prison movie. Okay. Uh, magic dude with glowing bees flies out of his mouth. Pretty much the same story as Tim Robbins' story. Let's do it. And the Green Mile comes out, and you're like, oh, this is cool. It's not. It's not Shawshank. This yeah. is a little close encounters weird. Remember how like the primary plot was about Tom Hanks couldn't pee, and then one day he could pee. Hooray <laughs> for that prisoner. Too bad he died. Couldn't don't they give you a toilet? Don't they give you a toilet in all the cells? Oh no, no, no. He, he was the, the jailer, out. but give, he had prostate one. issues. In, in, in the gift bag. Oh. They didn't have a staff bathroom? Mm. 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 So uh gentlemen. Uh, I, I want to change the topic from um, AI uh, and anything related to that to uh, creepy videos of shape-shifting robots. Oh, thank goodness. No, now, I robots are it. supposed Ruby. to be one shape. O- only the fantastical be, future of Transformers. Wow. Wow. So one-sided. So, so, what? One how, shape. Monoshape. How Autobot of you. Uh, uh, let's just is say geo geometrism of like a form of bias. Uh, look, I've read the original proclamation of Cybertron and, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say, mm. oh, I don't like hearing that. Don't say that in front of me. Keep that, keep that to yourself. All right. That's our, that's our <laughs> what you, word. <laughs> what are you, GoBot fan? <laughs> GoBots so- was such the... Like pale imitation of Transformers, and and yet know? they in my world they they came out first, and and they even had a cartoon first. Uh, but but there was a bigger machine behind Transformers. Like uh, Transformers would advertise the comic book Transformers with cartoon imagery, and I was like, oh my god, GoBots has a cartoon, and it's like, nope, it's some other thing called Transformers. Yeah, you're right. Uh, GoBots was first, but this Transformers just seemed to. Of course, like the whole, gosh, who knows how the, the whole history in Japan of all those toys. Well, uh, apparently those toys were very, very popular, just uh, writ large for 10, 15 years. But the folks uh, behind Transformers were the first to have the idea of 
instead of like uh, always the transforming robots were driven inside by people. And they're like, what if we just lose the people? What if we just have the robots have personalities and characters and motivations and mm. desires? And one of them was a sycophant who sounded exactly like Cobra Commander. And the other one was just a giant gun. And the other one represented American industry and its giant gas guzzling need to move objects from point A to point B. And it uh, uh-huh. seemed like that one <laughs> as opposed to the, we... go- the GoBot story, which was uh, aliens. Yeah, aliens. Can we take a moment to appreciate how awesome of a toy a Transformers or a GoBot toy was? It's a car. Now it's a robot. Well, uh, yeah, it, it was uh, It was the original Como No Se Dos, where it's just like uh, test marketing. Kids, boys, they love trucks, cars, guns. Though I would, uh, I, would arg- I would argue that they're, they're toys in the shape of robots. That car doesn't turn into a robot. It just turns into a toy that used to be a car. Very meta of you, Bryce. Yeah. Well, I mean, like a very, a very fourth dimensional uh, uh, thinking. Right. I mean, it's. I, I mean, Megatron is still Megatron under there, even when he's a, a semi truck. It's not like he's oh, got a combustion God engine. Damn! What just I, happened? I'm... I'm saying I kids really think that you are you are this is this is a great TED talk for you, <laughs> you know, about conceptual I, realism. I'm digging into the history and it, and it was the toy line that Hasbro bought the Takara Diaclone and Microchange predated GoBots. Oh, wow. And so. Right. Uh, I, and uh, correct. Uh, uh, oh, so GoBots weren't in, even first in a pre-internet time. It took a long time for something in Japan to get premiered in the U.S. For example, the Nintendo Entertainment System originally was only barely introduced in the New York area only, mm-hmm. and then slowly became the uh, nationwide sensation that it was. So where does Gundam fit in all of this? The 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 perennial Japanese mecha mecha series yeah. is that pre or post Transformers? Uh, pre Gundam was oh. pre, but but again. There was always a person on the inside of this giant mech. Sure, but but again, the the genius of Transformers was that they they wanted to, as I understood it, for the first time, strip away the 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 homunculus in the middle. Yeah, mm. because because but like so I mean, I get, I understand humans, whether it's Robotech or, or Gundam Your mom or whatever. And dad are humans. <laughs> Your teacher what is a you human. What you really want is, yeah, you teach, like, that's like the, 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 the uh, humans are the people that have a low voice in a Nickelodeon commercial before the skateboarding starts. What you really want is a robot best friend. Mm. Well, a toy shaped, a robot shaped toy friend. What, you, why? What is with you? <laughs> you can't, do you not have the imagination to take you from A to B? You have to stop, you know, somewhere just, between the well, two. I'm just grinching over it, it, here. It, I'm just grinching over uh, here. Straight grinching. <laughs> goblin mode, Bryce. <laughs> Let me make a pitch because, like, Gundam, Robotech, everything that came before Transformers and GoBots, um, those were all the story of Top Gun. Those were all the story of, like, uh, uh, battle happens, everybody comes home, everybody gets out of their machinery, and they're all like, that was some pretty good 
fighting you know, when you transformed into this object or that object. Cool, mm -hmm. cool. It's really about us cool pilots or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. it is fairly transformative to it's like, no, no, no. What if we just as ascribed to the mechanized objects themselves hopes, desires, ambition, uh, 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 trivial, petty, whatever, you know? So like know. human, like human conflicts. Correct. But, but without, without the extra steps. Without the extra step of carbon and skin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like, 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 like the, like, like the, 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 the Jewish story of the golem, but it turns into a truck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Are we here? Are we all here? Uh, we're, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Did I cross the, the theoretical line? Uh, uh, Bryce is like, like, is it really a cheeseburger or is it just the concept of a cheeseburger wasn't too abstract? I, I, I go into uh, uh, Judaistic mythology and now I'm the a-hole. I mean... Uh, You're I describing human-shaped dirt, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> no, the point of the golem was that it protected people. That it, yeah. it is, it is mythologically among the first ideas of a robot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I suspect none of us feel qualified to step up against your thesis. So we all agree with it. Well, no, that was that was like in all the robot, like when I was a kid, all the robot books. They talk about the golem. They talk about R U R, and then where the term robot came from. The Kempicek. I pronounced the pretty large name, but robot. It was Russia like a was po po robots. Polish word that meant like servant or something. Yeah, yeah. Rosmovi Universalni Roboti. Or is it a man named that? <laughs> Rossum's Universal Robots. Interesting. I want some credit for getting almost all those names right without looking at any of them. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to one Andrew Maine. Big shout out, big big love, big love. How? Uh, why my books Andrew, are Andrew Maine, Europe, Tell us so. about your background and why you are so quick to know all of the names of, <laughs> of the robots. I was a child a with no friend that wanted right. robots. <laughs> uh, I I wanted a robot friend. I once wondered how many ColecoVision computers there was. The Coleco computers they were selling after they went out of business. They sold them in liquidation sites or sites, catalogs. And so as, as a kid, I'd be like these catalogs going, could I make a robot person from this? Can you explain no, this uh, Hollywood script that you sent me called uh, <laughs> Mithrain? Uh, 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 I'm trying to do a Megan joke about Andrew Maine. Oh, no, it's called Weird Science gave me some ideas. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> movie, yeah. It would be main, it would movie. be main three. Oh yeah! How many to make a Kelly LeBron three? And then you get two prequels built into that title. Main one and main yeah. two. Well, that's that's the thing too. Like when your hormones and your nerdiness get really confused. Yeah, yeah. Instead of develop social, instead I should develop social skills skills to talk to women. No, I'm gonna try to figure out how to build a robot girl. That's that's like the Andrew Main Drake meme. <laughs> Of like like uh, I just watch weird science. Should I be cool and have a party like they do in the movie? Like no. Like should I dedicate my entire life to building a woman? Like yeah. And <laughs> magic, you're like ah, it's all make believe. Um, I could I could go down the whole pathology of how we ended up here. Extreme insecu insecurity and nerd fascinations and how they all tie together.
but what I want to talk about is shape-shifting robots. Actually, I did send Bryce, I sent you a Perry Bible Fellowship cartoon just to close our thoughts on mm -hmm. the Transformers. Refrigeratron, oh disassemble. So Magnumus, no! Your, your passengers! <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> so it's a cartoon yeah. showing the Transformer changing shape back into a robot while people were inside it was not not did not end well for them now if it was just a toy uh, it would you would just have some scrapes and some little cuts maybe some abrasions huh. you gotta so, figure yeah they'd be ejected right there had to be some sort of ejection shunk. method they, you should see it in the transformers movies they'll show you that um they'll yeah. just pop you out at 70 miles an hour on the highway so <laughs> yeah. uh one of the things in science communication and when you talk about how to talk about research is you want to figure out ways to sort of be very open about implications and also talk about limitations for this and also try not to freak people out. That's kind of an unwritten rule. Um, I want you guys to watch a video demonstrating a method of building small robotic devices using magnetic materials and tell me where this lands. Yes, we've got it. Okay. We've got it right here. Uh, all right, so we've got. What are we seeing here? Uh, it looks like a the magnet Lego controlling movie. like a Lego guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A magnet controlling a Lego guy behind bars. Hmm. All right, so we play it. Uh, now, Brian, what's happening to the minifig? Uh, what's happening? Looks to like guy? he's kind of melting. It does looks melt. like he's. Oh my, me god. oh my god! It's straight up the T one thousand. He yeah. definitely figured out that he can melt his body and just. Just sloop a doop yeah. on through them bars, and oh uh, it looks. And like you know what? Melted. Why bother to go back to looking like a human at all? You've already figured out the optimum way for a blob of of intelligent uh, no, keep metal playing, to be. Keep playing. Oh, okay, okay. It's it paused. I thought it stopped. Uh, so, no. Oh wait, hold on. Did I leave some of my body wow. behind? Let me go back and get it. It totally so, reformed yeah, yeah. itself. For, for those of you, so pause it. Yeah, the the little Lego man uh, turns into either. The, the the T1000 or a Capri Sun commercial, depending on when you were born, uh, and then reforms itself outside of the the bars of this fake jail cell. So to your point, Andrew, if a, if a scientific demonstration about new technology is primarily there to demonstrate the utility of it, but also done to not terrify the squares for whom have no idea that this technology exists until they just saw this video demonstrating how a robot could escape from jail is probably not the optimum way that you would calm everybody it's very cool it's very cool i mean it's cool the as t1000 scene the next the video then goes on to show on show when you want to do procedures inside the human body, so using magnets to control this to sort of and then i think the liquefaction maybe something from heat or whatever but they show and later on, like if you wanted to get, say, an obstruction through somebody's part of their body, the idea that you could use these materials to basically go inside mm. of a foreign body in the stomach or whatever. So it's got a lot of really awesome medical applications. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And then because it would be it would weigh more and you could and you could use a magnet to to direct it, then you could remove the thing from the body. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is exceptional technology. There's, there's no, there is no doubt about uh, uh, how, how rad it is. Who, uh, who do we give credit for this, uh, this advancement? Uh, this uh, God, 
All credit to God. Uh, the Chinese <laughs> use <BJC>. uh, <laughs> the Chinese use of University of Hong Kong uh, put this out. They put the C in the JC. One of the the Jesuit Chinese. Uh, Andrew. Andrew, do you? Uh, one of the things I noticed when uh, when we were playing the clip here was as the as the little minifig was melting, um, they've got this 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 um, axes indicator here on screen, and I can't tell if that's they did that to indicate time is moving because it kind of looks like a clock, or if it's that they're spinning the the fig pretty precipitously. Uh, well, I think they've been speeding things up. Yeah, but they've got the yeah, x-axis yeah, spinning that, 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 here that, 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 that yeah, looks it. like it's it is rotating the whole. I don't know. I, I guess I I don't know okay. if there's a centrifugal. Yeah, I, 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 I think it that wouldn't that's surprise meant to represent me. Time. Uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if 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 from what little I've read about this type of technology internally in the body, uh, if if that's the external magnet. So a, a lot of what you read, like the headline, will be something sensationalistic, like robots inside the body repair the body. Mm -hmm. Then the robot turns out to be a clump of magnetic material that externally is manipulated by magnets or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't be, I'm, it's not to, to doubt it, but it would be interesting if that's the way that they do it, right? It did look like there's some amount of heating and then cooling to get it to shift phases like this. The paper reports that in addition to achievements in the video, their little robot can jump 21 millimeter moats and climb walls when solid, but subdivide to get around objects before rejoining when liquid. Wow. Uh, with, with or without external manipulation by magnetic forces. Well, I think these external magnetic fields. Yeah. Right okay. Now, but. Right. Yeah. But that's, that's fascinating. Uh, changing phase like that, basically at whim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the applications are, are, you know, uh, uh, pretty, pretty amazing. You know, I, I think you would, you could think of a lot of stuff that smarter people than me would probably be able to figure out yeah they've got a clip here oh. of it um soldering uh soldering some silicone um wirelessly quote unquote yeah so uh if if, if i were to guess it would be external magnets and induction heating uh to uh take something that that is at the precipice of always just barely being uh solid and then in, in use induction heating to you know cool it to liquid or to warm it to liquid wow oh there you go kind of cool kind of scary and yeah, a lot of futures gonna be a lot of that i i saw mm -hmm. something that was kind of cool uh it was a very interesting idea i don't know if it's really in its ready form but a company has developed basically a vr e-reader goggles and you put them on and it presents your e-reader in front of your face sorry your e-reader like e-reading ebooks it's like a oh a yeah ink display swear to god i thought you were talking about some scientology stuff <laughs> that's our other podcast brian and that's only for really like, high level like, members like i you mean i could be audited at all time in vr yeah <laughs> to dream oh so that's so it's so, like a one use vr display but it's for the books yeah and the idea is they use this 
you know, an e-ink display. I don't think it was like a super high res, but I think that's their goal. And I was like, man, what a weird way to read a book, but kind of cool. I, you want to know, I was about to crap on it. And then I saw it and I was immediately like, because I am terrible about physically reading things. I, I, yeah. I don't know whether or not I need Adderall. I don't know whether or not it is just my ADD or, or there's some deeper psychological element that keeps me distracted. And it's very, very hard for me to sit down either with a physical book or an e-reader to keep my attention and not have it go somewhere else. So the idea of just putting on a physical thing and turning off everything else that I have and being fully immersed in it, I, I think kind of I would, I would be into trying it. That's yeah. interesting because I would I would be the reverse. Like um, uh, books are fine, but uh, I, I find it increasingly difficult to find any moment in my life where I can dedicate both my spatial awareness, my reading awareness, and just my full attention to a book. And um, I I I think the hurdle to actually putting these on would be challenging for me. Well, I mean, I think obviously, look, if, if, you, if you ain't got time, you ain't got time. Really, my, my, the, the problem that I have is that oftentimes, especially for certain research projects, there are books that are written that are not audiobooks, like that just don't have another solution for it. So either I have to, and many of them aren't ebooks, so I have to actually read the physical book or I have to get it on, on ebook. And in those situations, like I have to jump through hoops to make myself sit down and and read these things. I have to carve out time very specifically to do it. And there's no other way for me to get this information. I, I need to do it this way. And if I need to do it this way, and otherwise my solution is to find a place away from my house, away from my computers, where I, I have less distractions to start working on other things, uh, then maybe a, a, a solution that would kind of instruct my brain to not look for other things is a full-on HMD. I, I, I could see, because I was watching this video and thinking about, okay, I could see when I, at night, when I'm sitting in bed and I want to just chill out and relax and popping something on there like this, because it's not super obtrusive. It's a pretty small form factor compared to a, a regular VR headset. And then, yeah. so I stepped two feet away from my microphone, I'm sorry. Uh, and then, comics like if you could get like a really good display that could do comics like that'd be kind of cool and if the price is yeah. cheap enough the this video uh that that we're watching says it's a it, it might be about 350 dollars, which is a pretty decent price if you use a kindle if you get a nice kindle uh that would be pretty similar price yeah you know it's not like you're buying a two thousand dollar i i, I think, I think it would have to be a pretty choice experience like the, the 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 fidelity on the the lettering would have to be really good it, ha, it would have to be a pleasurable reading experience like beyond even what you would see on on a on a kindle uh for for me to justify it at 350 but the good thing about e-ink stuff is that you know it is cheap and the more you mass produce it the the, the more that that price might uh, uh come down but I, I think i think it's 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 not a terrible idea especially i would imagine that it's that it's pretty lightweight too how much is a a, a quest or a quest 2 like i thought they were 250 or somewhere to 5 they're 400 no, to 500 dollars okay yeah 
Yeah, um, I don't know. This, this seems like a, 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 it has a lot of the downsides that any kind of screen has, whether it's your handheld phone or whatever. Um, if, if you want to read it going to bed, uh, allegedly an actual book book is the best way to read because it tires you out and you, you go to bed. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Because compared to compared hey, to other, Brian, you are you are definitely you're definitely resistant to this. Yeah, uh, because it seems is like this, is this just you being resistant to books? Uh, no, because like or it was certainly not the cons consumption of books, but it's like uh, but certainly, it's it seems like a solution in need of a problem. Like, wh what is the problem that this solves? I don't think it's necessarily a solution in need of a problem. I think the problem is people want a light, uh, a, a lightweight way to read a lot of books and to be able to download books. And so if e-readers are a popular thing, which they are, right, and e-ink is an indisputable part of that technology, this is effectively just a different way that you can experience an e-reader in the same way that Kindle has a ton of different form factors. Some are bigger, some are smaller, some have ridges, so you can hold on to them easier. There's a million different form factors for it. This, to me, is just another form factor on an already proven concept. Now, whether or not that form factor is popular, that remains to be seen. And and, and I, I would agree with you there that it is totally unproven on, on, on that level. Uh, the one thing that immediately popped to mind for me is just immersion, that... I, I have gone out on vacation with the explicit idea that I'm not going to do anything else but sit outside by the pool and read. And I still wind up within 15 minutes checking Twitter because I I have my phone near me. There's There's enough stimulus that I rattle off the track where immersion, maybe, maybe it would work. Or maybe I would just be distracted and, and that would not be enough. But I do think that that when I saw it physically, I was like, oh, I get to put on like comical prop glasses and, and be totally sucked in to this thing like that, that maybe that would be enough to make me read like an actual human and not a weird uh, a Wally uh, creature that needs to be spoon fed information like a baby. Like yeah, having a book strapped to your face because you won't pick one up is 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 <laughs> yeah exactly maybe but maybe it works right you know you can't uh, you know every every tool is uh uh you know in need of a in need of a purpose maybe this would be it for me yeah i, I counter example uh i i can picture myself on vacation in a hammock reading a book and giving it my full attention and taking my time and whatever mm -hmm. um i can picture myself on a subway train reading a book and casually giving it my full attention. Mm -hmm. I could maybe picture alone in my room having these goggles on reading a book. I don't think I could picture myself on an airplane. Wait, wait, Justin, would you wear these on an airplane <laughs> to read a book? On an airplane? Yes. On an airplane, I would do it. I would not do it on a subway uh, because I don't, trust people on subways i trust people on airplanes because they can't just grab my stuff and run away uh but on an airplane oh my god i would i would trust i mean like i've seen people watch movies with full vibe or or uh, sorry uh, oculus quest um 
uh, headsets on airplanes, and that has seemed less and less odd to me. So I, I could see myself doing it on an airplane. I could see myself doing it in, in my house or in a, a vacation scenario yeah. if the lighting wouldn't F with it. Is is that something you've pivoted on? Because when you first got the Quest, I was asking you whether or not you would watch a movie on an airplane with it, and uh, I was sort of laughed off, uh, like that was that was a hard pass. Is that something you're, you're more comfortable not, with? I now? would not. I would not do it. But I've seen more people do it, uh, so it, it is it is less odd to me than it might have been when we first had that conversation. But uh, for for this, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I look when I sleep. I was on a plane this morning. I don't know how weird I looked when I had my my gigantic headphones on and my uh, sunglasses on with the a uh, uh, thing drawn down as I'm like drooling on myself. Uh, uh, I probably looked weird then. This would just kind of be the same thing, except the glasses would be a little bit thicker based on the form factor that we're seeing here. Andrew, great I, conversation, I, guys. <laughs> I, I, I think that a lot of this is going to change when the form factors get smaller. When these things get, you know, are not much thicker than just sort of thick glasses because they're using the, the holographic lenses or whatever. Or pass through is really good so that, you know, you can actually don't people don't know if you're, you know, wearing glasses or you're watching them. Um, I think it's going to change a lot. Just like we laughed at people with early cell phones because they were, you know, yeah, sell 5,000 shares. I'm holding a Kleenex box to my ear like a phone. <laughs> you know, that that was we thought that was laughable. Like, oh, yeah, great. And then phones got smaller and smaller. And then I remember the first time I saw a Motorola StarTac or on somebody's wearing it around their neck, like a necklace. It was just this thing that I'm like, oh yeah, I want one of those now. So I think when the form factor gets smaller and it's easy to get in and out of it and it's not this, you know, all this sort of adjustments, it will change a lot. Um, like we saw with Plug uh, at OpenAI with ChatGPT was the core functionality was available through our API and our playground but once you simplified, got rid of a little bit of friction, a little bit of just the blocks to get to it, huge usage, huge, huge, huge usage. We saw that with like in VR with the Quest being a standalone, like that just sold like crazy for a while. And then I think it kind of reached its saturation point of anybody who wants one got one. But I think every time it gets a lot easier to use, you'll see a lot more adoption. It'll be less nerdy. Well, I mean, look, you, you, you've seen it with Kindle. Kindle was was a, a device that really, really hit for Amazon because they were able to hit the right price point and the right form factor, and and they were able to to to, to sell like that. It wasn't the first e-ink reader that existed. It just became an extraordinarily popular one. Same thing with uh, voice assistant. Siri was, uh, in terms of mass market, really kind of the, the first that put it in people's hands, and not a whole lot of people used it until a lot of the the form factor of the home center version uh, uh from from amazon came out and and all of a sudden that became something that uh, i think probably more than anything else for kids that are being born over the last you know a uh, uh, decade or so that to me is probably the as much of a generationally defining technology if you are raised with that in your life the entire time as much as like pinch and zoom and touch screens are uh uh you know, but it needed the right form factor. It needed the right price point. It needed the right uh, 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 technological element. And I think ChatGPT is another great example of it. Is that people tend to discount the the packaging that makes something successful because it's not the well, but the technology has been around for a while. It's like, you know, it, it, arguably that is 
uh, uh, not the most important thing when it comes to mass adoption. Yep. Yep. Speaking of mass adoption, we would love for you to adopt us in mass. Indeed. Patreon.com slash weird things is where you need to go. Head on over there right now. I'm not kidding. If you don't do it, we'll know. Patreon.com slash weird things is where you can support our program. Get our after things program earlier than everybody else and make sure that we keep showing up and doing this very show. Patreon.com slash weird things. Gentlemen, do you want to do picks? Yeah, uh, I got a pick. pick it it's up. a bit, bit of a bit of a retro one. It's uh, <laughs> of all things, DJ Kubert's Wave Twisters from 1998. Um, it's a it's a time where a scant what uh, 20 years earlier, people had started to scratch records and use samples in hip hop, and um, uh, it's a vaguely a cartoon there's lots of animated something or others that go with it um but uh uh revisiting it now uh 25 years after it came out uh it's kind of surreal to realize that uh even somebody who was 25 when it came out or 24 or whatever when it when it came out like i find it a little bit kind of tiresome and i wish it would move faster it's like we get it we get it and and the beats are slow but at the time you know the samples are novel uh it's wild it's it's kind of a cool uh uh throwback uh, uh wave twisters is the name of it nice what got what got you back into the wave twisting uh well i uh i was explaining to bonnie how good uh in the beastie boys book audiobook uh mix master mike actually took his segment and produced an entire chapter, uh, you know, an audio soundscape chapter in which he's an alien visiting humans and bonding with them using scratch technology, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I was like, yeah, no, that reminds me of, uh, that got me listening to uh, his album, Anti-Theft Device, that was, uh, that came out just after um, uh, uh, Hello Nasty. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then that reminded me of Wave Twisters. And I, it, it's been a minute since I've just, you know, listened to full albums for the full album experience, but uh, Wave Twisters really took me back. It was, you know, they have this conceit of the the four elements of hip hop. Uh, I think it was um, uh, uh, MC, DJ, uh, uh, graffiti, and breakdancing were the four of them. And mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're kind of told in a loosey-goosey uh, style uh animated it's it's a bit like a soundscape animation in the in the vein of pink floyd's the wall or something like that only with a very late 90s sensibility um oh do uh, uh so more than just the album you also do you also mean the 2001 animated film correct uh i, okay. I, I uh, the film based off the album correct uh, and so the, the album is what i re-experienced today mm. the uh the film is what put the album on the on the map so nice. basically you know it's a, a late 90s non-political uh version of the wall with with early uh, with early uh, Adobe uh, various types of animations. Nice. I got a pick. Uh, Poker Face is a new 
uh, episodic series from Ryan Johnson of Knives Out fame and Natasha Leone of Russian Doll fame. Uh, this is an ode to kind of the classic murder mystery of the week kind of television programs. Natasha Leone playing Natasha Leone, the only character that she knows how to play, but we it's 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 a fun and enjoyable one. So we love it. Uh, uh, except in this version, she has a skill for which I I hope they never fully explain. They just it, it just is, is what it is that she can tell when people are lying. Not necessarily when they're telling the truth, but just when they are intentionally trying to tell a lie. And it puts her in the position to uh, uh, solve crimes. Uh, I watched the first two episodes last night. The first four are available on Peacock. I very much enjoyed the first one. Uh, uh, the, the second one, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that the show continues to go. I, I think that it obviously has a little bit of a hurdle because they are committed to the idea of this being episodic. So while there is a larger mystery and a larger driving thrust that kind of keeps the 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 main plot going each episode you're dealing with about all these different characters uh but yeah it's uh it's 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 fun i really like the first episode it has adrian brody in it Ooh, nice i yeah i'm excited to 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 watch poker face i've i've i feel like i've heard mixed things about it but i'm glad to hear you say you enjoyed it yeah it's a cool idea It, it is it is uh um uh, more. Let me put it this way: I buy the poker face heroine as somebody who is solving these crimes more than I buy an unnamed other protagonist in a series of films, uh, uh, also made by Ryan Johnson. He seems a little magical to me. Mm. Uh, she seems a little bit more grounded. That all you have to do is buy one conceit. She can tell when people are lying. She pushes people into those positions. You feel the tension. I enjoy it. Nice. I got a pick. Um, maybe you've heard of Marvel. Maybe. Uh, I've Marvel, heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and sometimes they make video games about the Marvel things, all the the superheroes and the. That's those timely comics, folks, right? Yeah. Well, they got a they got a, a new game out where you where you play with a bunch of cards and you see all of your oh, old stop. friends. No way. Uh, hmm. It is from some folks who are well experienced in the genre. They know what they're doing, mm-hmm. and it may not is it exactly a robust card battler. And it may not exactly be what you're thinking of. It may not exactly be what they're known for. Um, but my pick is the 2K and Firaxis game, Midnight Suns. What? Well, look at that. This is, uh, if, you've, if you've heard about the XCOM Marvel game, that's what this is. The XCOM people. Oh my God, it's actually, it's turn-based strategy? Well, strategy. It's not on a grid like the XCOM games are. You play with cards. So it's a, it's, it is not exactly XCOM. But it's Firaxis making an XCOM style. Oh my game. God! We're 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 talking about Sid Meier's Firaxis. We're talking about uh, yes. a, a rep, a civilization Firaxis. Holy moly! And and, uh, and this is what uh, uh, what what platform? That's on like everything right now. Um, uh, uh, I've got it on the PlayStation at the moment. Um, Not mobile. No. Okay. 
Okay, now, and uh, one of, the, I think, the coolest thing, I it's got a bunch of characters, it's got a bunch of voice acting, and it's got a bunch of, co- you play as um, Hunter, um, the, Lilith's around, and you get to be a playable character called Hunter, so you can customize your character a little bit, but then you also see Iron, Iron Man, and Doctor Strange, and all your friends. Um, what is the coolest thing about this is that when you finish a mission, um, it generates a comic book cover of the characters that you took into it, and oh then you can God. edit the cover and the poses and move everyone around and change the lighting and stuff, um, which in and of itself is just like so fun. It makes it all a little more memorable. How much would you trust a doctor named Doctor Strange? Hmm. Uh, uh, implicitly, if it had if he had five stars on Zocdoc, I would I would he, he could be. Oh, yeah. He could be called Doctor, I'm going to kill you. And I'd be like, I don't know. It seems like he's not good reviews. <laughs> uh, Does he do telehealth? <laughs> what? Uh, in an A-B test, who would you trust for? Somebody named Doctor Strange or Doctor Octopus? <laughs> Doctor Octopus? <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> it's Doctor Strange. Anyway. <laughs> he's got the extra arms, Brian. He can do a lot more in mm-hmm. surgery. That's just faster. Uh, I see yeah. you in the chat is is letting us know it's not it's not it is it really is not the same thing as as XCOM. It's not that your characters have have their abilities and a certain amount of moves. It's it is it is more card and deck based. Um, so it is a little closer to something like a Hearthstone or a Slay the Spire, where you're where each character has has a um, pool of cards and the characters you bring to the each character is an so. archetype that uh, uh, is either aggro or playing for control or. No, no, not really. It's just, it's just that they, uh, each character's got their own cards, and the that deck is made up of who you bring in. But you're not. It's not like say um, a Marvel Snap where you pick the whole deck. You pick the characters, and the characters come with the deck. Anyway, it's it's neat. I think I think I highly recommend uh, checking it out. I played a demo on the PlayStation before I bought it. Uh, it's cool. I think it's pretty neat. Um, and the story is is pretty engaging compared to other Marvel stuff. I think so. Uh yeah, oh. Midnight Suns. Andrew, you got a pick. I have a pick. I'm actually going to borrow one of Justin's picks because I think about you think about institutions that uh that we take for granted but are really useful, like public libraries. Public libraries are amazing, and and to be, live in a country where we have so many public libraries here. I'm in the Contra Costa County. I can go online and through the library, I can get access to New York Times and other magazines. Not to mention, I heard, I heard. I don't have confirmation. I can actually walk into a building and they will give me a book for free. And I just have to bring it back. Mm. Oh, wow. As an author, this scares me. I, but anyhow. It's like, it's like, it's like Netflix for books. <laughs> yeah. I have a funny story about that. I'll share with you at some point. Uh, but there's a, uh, another, another institution that if you ask me to say what's one of the, what's like the biggest problem globally for development, I would say corruption. Corruption is the number one problem because it is. It siphons. It prevents people from being able to build themselves up. It becomes a way that just really is just. If you look at just the core problems around the world and we have here, but corruption and public corruption really is such a big issue. Well, it bold, doesn't bold get addressed. Take, Andrew, because I've always said that badness is the worst thing. But but <laughs> yeah, you right. would put corruption above badness. That's right. I'm pro corruption, well, so I wonder. I want to know where he's going with this. You know, being badness, you know, it's not all bad. Well, I mean, it is because it's bad, but, you know. I mean, it's kind of the worst. It's like, uh, I, yeah. I have a hard time. You know what? 
bad assness is not so bad. So maybe oh, bad isn't all see, that bad. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. But not, bad the album not bad was pretty bad, good. But bad meaning good. Yeah. 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 My point is, <laughs> you would have learned that in, in DEI training. I'm talking about an institution that helps a little bit with transparency that's been in front of us for a very long time, since 1979, and that is C-SPAN. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, where are you at? I, I don't think that we've had a forum to speak with you about the idea of, uh, as, as I learned on Great Night, which uh, from Justin, who talks about it on politics, um, uh, that C-SPAN themselves don't own the cameras that are in the room. They just accept whatever feed the government gives them. Uh, and there's yes. a movement now that it's like, well, I don't know, maybe the, maybe they should be allowed to be there and have their own cameras. I think that would be great. I think that that would we've seen when you could see more of what's going on, how it's very eye opening to the process. And I think that if it's a public process, then I'm all for more of that. Absolutely. I'm for more of that. You know, you have to take an account like if two people want to sit in the side in their seats and whatever, have a private conversation, maybe not have, you know, a telescopic microphone to get in their faces, but they should assume there is. Uh, I think I think that we just need more, more, more. Now, uh, uh, I was surprised to hear a counter argument from uh, our friend Andrew Heaton, who suggested that he fears that if C-SPAN was given more access, what we would end up with is even more performance art instead of substantive legislation and reaching across the aisle and actual work getting done. Instead, the incentives would be such that people would, uh, you know, like, why even bother to try to get anything done? Just, just show up in a Riddler outfit, as Justin pointed out, and, and do even more outlandish things. If, if I might uh, uh, recite my very polished monologue on this conversation, uh, uh, absolutely not. Number one, we already have a situation right now where people are bringing props and gigantic floor charts so they can make uh, a big impassioned speeches. What, what cameras in the chamber would actually do when people are doing that, a thing prop comedy that happens right now where people are trying to have an outsized uh, uh, opinion and they're giving big fiery uh, uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington speeches, cameras would reveal that nobody else is in the chamber at that moment, that this is empty theatrics. This would actually take down the ability for people to do that. And not to mention the fact that in a world of social media, there is no material difference to being able to reach out and be exactly as ridiculous as you guys would 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 uh, as as anybody would like. So uh, I think this would only further demystify just the House floor. Plenty of places in the House of Representatives that you can have private conversations. There's the cloakroom. There's their own offices. There's the hallways. There's plenty of places where this can happen, where there would not be cameras. We're just asking. That when you come to Washington and when you are debating and when you are voting on the things for which the people have sent you to do, that we have more access to that than three lockdown camera shots that C-SPAN cannot change. Can we address the fact there still is a cloak room and nobody's worn a cloak in 100 years? <laughs> I know. It's so funny because the cloak room is almost exclusively a place where you hear people getting bullied. They should just call it the, yeah. the, the, the bullying room because whenever somebody's getting yelled at, it's always in the cloakroom. They're getting grabbed by the scruff of their neck and, and dragged into the cloakroom so they can get yelled at. Call it the dagger room. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with Justin that the, in due respect to Mr. Heaton, uh, who 
Maybe he's projecting a bit what he would use with this camera. Uh, I, I, he, he's also backed off on that. That was his first yeah. blush reaction to it. Yeah, I think that, I think, yeah, I just, I, and yeah, when, don't let the prop pilot control the camera. And they do now, but like when they're, you're able to cover more of it. I just think more and more and more, more cameras in city council meetings, more documenting what was said, more, there's a, there's a library that keeps track of all the C-SPAN stuff, more of that out there so we can understand the process and see what's going on. So I'm a big fan of that. Uh, the other the other part of uh, uh, this that I, I believe is the actual reason why it will not happen and the reason why both parties are in favor of not having these cameras in there is because a lot of the decisions that are made uh, and a lot of the debates that people actually care about and these candidates actually fundraise on, they're not physically in the room for. And they don't want that to be very clear. They don't want it to be, they want it to be written in text where people can ignore it, but they don't want the TikTok, 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 uh, every second that they're not in the room to be a story. And that's what would be the case if C-SPAN were there and all the political junkies and the live streamers and the, and, and the Twitter people uh, uh, would do it. It would hit different and you would see a one quarter full room when uh, meanwhile on social media and in emails, these uh, politicians are screaming their heads off about how this is the end of the world. So I think that's the reason why it won't happen. I think it should happen. And maybe they shouldn't uh, Andrew, be the ones you to are wise. They shouldn't be the ones to decide. Right? Um, right? Maybe it should just that there ought to be a law. Do your dang jobs. And the government did quiet quitting on the cameras. The cameras I quiet know, quitting. Right? That's the, the yeah. I mean, a lot of this is because you can't fundraise from your office in the House of Representatives, so you got to go across the street and start dialing for dollars. It's, oh. a, it's a whole thing. Anyway, listen to politics, 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 and, and I'll talk more about it. But this is a good, a good, good pick. And by the way, speaking of C-SPAN, everybody on Twitter follow Howard Mortman. He is the communications director for C-SPAN and uh, uh, the clip god. He just pulls whatever is happening in politics. He just pulls old clips that are related to it and posts clips of things that are happening in real time that are being covered on C-SPAN. It's his birthday today. He also has a podcast called The Weekly, which I would highly recommend. 15 minutes once a week. And all it does is pull old clips of things that are happening this week, which I listened to on the plane. Every time that Joe Biden said as a candidate that Iowa was indispensable to be the first caucus in the nation, which he said many times and articulated with forceful passion leading up to this year, or sorry, last year, when he effectively buried Iowa in the backyard by saying that the Democratic uh, primary process would now begin in South Carolina. So uh, uh, go ahead and go ahead and get that. It is, uh, it is great. Uh, Howard Mortman, just an all around great guy. Nice. Oh, that's great. Gentlemen. It's been weird. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.